Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Both Sides of the Stethoscope podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Colby Salerno, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Aline Gregosian. Hi, everyone. For those who might just be finding our podcast for the first time, Both Sides of the Stethoscope is a podcast by two physicians, Aline and myself, who both have had heart transplants, and our aim is to share medical knowledge, discuss medicine from our unique perspective as being both patients and doctors. Today's episode, we are going to be diving into mental health. The month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and there's a lot of psychological constraints and factors that come go into organ donation. So Aline, why don't you get us started? Sure. So um, recently, I was looking into all this because I was trying to find out more about what mental health issues and mental health management is like even before or after or during transplant. And I came across this like in really interesting fact that I posted on my Instagram, but basically it, it, according to the American Psychological Association, an estimated 50% of transplant patients experience at least one episode of anxiety or depression within the first two years of the post-transplant period. Also, about 25% of transplant patients can also have um, symptoms of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And I thought that was very interesting. I mean, I knew it was high, but I didn't realize that the prevalence was that high. So we just kind of wanted to talk about all this today um, and then, you know, talk about what we went through, what our institutions offered for us, and what other people sometimes go through, and how we can get help if, if we are transplant patients specifically. So as far as my own mental health issues, I remember I've always had like a little bit of anxiety, nothing that ever needed um, medications, or at least not for a long period of time. And I feel like it definitely worsened right around the time of transplant. When I got my transplant, keep in mind that my transplant was done. I mean, I got very acutely ill and I had my transplant within a couple of weeks. So I never really had time to process everything that had happened to me. And I feel like the symptoms of what I was going through and the mental health aspect of it didn't really like kick in until after I got my transplant. So once I like was able to get discharged and go home is kind of when I thought about everything at once. And it was very, very anxiety provoking. Uh, I did meet with a transplant therapist before my transplant just for like a basic psychosocial assessment. And then she came and saw me every few days in the hospital. And I thought that was extremely helpful. So that, that was like one way to mitigate kind of the stress or anxiety. But I'm not sure if every institution is like that. Does yours, did yours do that, Kobe? Yeah, mine did that. And I actually was going to ask you some more about it because um, you know, mine being so long ago, I don't remember specifics of kind of what they talked to me about. My understanding is it's almost nationwide that people waiting for transplant uh, need to go through like a psychological evaluation and uh, it's part of the listing process. And I think, you know, in just basic terms of why that might be is you have to understand at least for the most part, unless you're receiving a um, an organ from a living donor, which has its own, of course, psychological um, factors to it. If you're receiving a deceased donor organ, you know, you are getting to live while someone else has passed and is able to save your life with the gift of life. And there's so much mentally that can go into that. When I think about my pre um, like sessions with the with the psych providers, 
I was already hospitalized, if I recall, like it was in that time period where they said that, you know, you have to stay in the hospital until a heart becomes available. Right. And I think the only thing that I can remember, and because it's been so long ago, is like them harping on the fact that I use like marijuana a little bit in the past. And (laughs) that, and again, I think it's just because I was 23 at the time. And this is what sticks in my brain is like, that's what you care about. Um, But other than that, I, I don't have a good memory. So I was kind of hoping to see if you can remember maybe some of more of the specifics that they were asking you prior to listing. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so, so the whole psychosocial assessment has a few parts to it. So not only do they try to find out where you are at mentally um, and psychologically, but they also try to factor in if you have any social support, what kind of job you have, if you do work, um, uh, how you feel about transplant, things like that. So, so, and I only know it, I mean, not because I remember it, but because uh, I work in a transplant ICU now. So I'm very used to seeing the social work or psych notes about each patient who's getting a transplant. So I do remember from, from my own experience that uh, a transplant therapist and a psychiatrist, there was a whole team that came into my room and kind of asked me how I felt about it. And at that time, like, A, I was like, pretty sick, but with it, like I was talking normally, but I don't think I fully grasped. I, I mean, everything happened so acutely. I think, I don't think I fully grasped how, um, how much this was going to change my life. But I remember kind of being like, yeah, I feel fine. Like, let me just get the transplant and get out of here. And I remember my notes because I had gotten my medical records after, and I was looking through all my notes, but like the therapy notes said something like, despite her situation, patient is very pleasant. And I was like, well, that's nice. Like it was kind of endearing to to read that and see that, you know, they thought that I was pleasant or even in some cases they thought I was almost manic because I just like, it's not that I didn't care. I just don't think I understood the gravity of the situation given how quickly everything happened to me. But they would come by and they would ask me how I felt, if I was going to be compliant with my medications, what I do in general when I'm under stress. And I think I told them that I kind of just deal with whatever's happening to me, you know, one day at a time. And I'm able, I, I hope that I'm able to process things appropriately. When I was in medical school, I had seen a therapist like intermittently throughout the, the four years. So I had definitely been to therapy before. And I knew that if I really needed it post-transplant, then I would be okay and, and open to going to therapy. And I remember that was another thing they had asked. They asked like what I do for work, if I wanted to go back, if I have any motivation to go back. Um, and, and it was all, uh, it was a very long evaluation initially, but then, you know, every few days when they would come in and talk to me, that's, that's what they talked about. When I was hospitalized, I wasn't on any medication, but I did have bouts of anxiety intermittently about the whole process. So I remember they had put me on some medication, like as needed, if I needed it. Uh, and then we were going to deal with everything once I got discharged, if I needed to be on any long-term medications or if I needed to see therapy afterwards. So I thought it was a very good process. Uh, and I think that it was very complete and the evaluation was great. And I thought it was very helpful to have a therapist if I needed one. When I got discharged, I had a, a transplant psychiatrist who was amazing. Um, and he saw me often to give me medications uh, if I was, you know, for anxiety or for mood disorder. I also have ADHD. So we were trying to figure out how I can deal with my ADHD uh, with or without medication. So I definitely saw a psychiatrist that first year early on to see how he can help me in my life. And it was, it was 
I had to see them often. Like I remember I would go to my usual cardiology clinic checkups and then I would also see psychiatry pretty much like regularly, if not at least once a month. Um, and it was all very helpful. So I'm, I'm not sure if all centers do that, but definitely my center or like the one that I got transplanted in did that. And then the one now also does the same thing. I I don't recall ever seeing um, having like a therapist afterwards, but definitely beforehand. And, um, you know, there's definitely really good support throughout. But I do I do know if I had ever needed one, they they definitely would have set that up for me. Right. Had- exactly. We had gotten a question from a listener through our Instagram Instagram direct message, and it was from a listener named Jen. And she had asked if you and I personally had dealt with anxiety or depression surrounding our transplant. Um, And you kind of just went on a lot about the um, anxiety side of things. I think you mentioned, too, how yours happened so quick, you kind of didn't have time to really process it all. Right, exactly. Myself, I don't really recall a lot of anxiety until like they told me a heart was coming and then I had tons of anxiety because I was about to have open heart surgery, but definitely dealt with depression and in a way that I didn't even realize probably how depressed I was at the time until I got my heart and realized how much happier I was. But during that six month time period where I was stuck in the hospital, I remember that I would have, you know, pretty intense mood swings. I would go from like wanting no one around me whatsoever and like not wanting my family to come see me to like being really angry if they didn't show up, you know, until right. like, late, later in the afternoon. <laughs> one specific memory I have is I used to like sleep in until like 11 a.m., 12 o'clock. Um, and they knew that and they knew not to come visit me until later in the day. But Christmas morning when I was in the hospital, (laughs) they were trying to respect my wishes and they didn't come until later. And then I was super angry that they weren't there right away for Christmas morning, you know, and it's one of those things that looking back on it, it's like, you know, I was being unreasonable, but I was angry and and depressed. And how was was my family supposed to like read my mind (laughs) about when to be there early, when to be there late? And Something that I definitely don't talk about a lot, but I I think, you know, me and you like the idea of this podcast being very open and honest and letting people see insight into this. And there was definitely times where um, I would say suicidal thoughts definitely encroached into my mind. And again, it to me, I just brushed it off as like, oh, I'm just, you know, whatever. Until I wasn't having those thoughts anymore when I was out living my life with a new heart. And it's like, oh, that wasn't an okay thing to be thinking at that time. And of course, never had thoughts of acting on it or anything. But it's like, oh, man, I really was struggling in that time. And I did not open up about it. I was a typical 23, 24 year old male who just bottled it all in. And so the reason I share this is is for twofold. One, the mental stress that I went through was 10 times worse than the physical toll of needing the heart transplant. Just being stuck in the hospital is really what bothered me most. And two, if you're out there dealing with organ transplant or chronic disease and you think like, oh, you know, I'm just dealing with it short term, you know, I bet a lot of people have these thoughts. The truth is you need to tell someone um, and need to share with someone, hey, (laughs) you know, I've been really feeling this way. And it's completely, I would say, normal um, for someone who's dealing with 
this much medical stress to have these thoughts and there's people out there willing to help you. Um, so I would say, please, you know, do that. And, and I say this not for anyone to feel sorry for me because life has been so great for me post transplant. Um, but I do know looking back that it's like, Hey, that probably was not normal and I should have spoken up. Right. And that takes a lot of courage to tell everybody. So thanks for sharing that. I had yeah. no idea. Colby. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I said, I don't really share it. I don't even know if my family knows it. So this will be a shock to them. Right. And they listen, probably not something to laugh about. But again, it wasn't like I was ever going to act upon it or anything like that. But I would just be sitting there all day long. And you start to be like, man, it'd be easier if this wasn't happening. And then again, once I was out of the hospital and, you know, walking around and feeling what a healthy heart was like, and those thoughts never were creeping in, it's like, man, okay, I guess that wasn't an okay thing to be right. thinking at the time. Um, and it, it never dawned on me until after and until I realized, man, I have such a better outlook on life now. Right, right. Post-transplant. Yeah. I can't say that. Um, I don't think I ever went through like bouts of depression or at least nothing that I remember. Again, it was so quick for me. But um, post-transplant, I definitely had anxiety. And people always ask, like, what were you interested about? You got a new heart. You were living your life. I'm like, no, but like every day you're worried that you're going to go into rejection. You're worried that you're going to have an infection. Every day you're worried, what if you get cancer? And so these thoughts, especially in the beginning, would creep up on you. And one of the issues is that organ transplantation is such a beautiful thing. And it's such a big thing that people go through. And it's major surgery. But we focus so much on the physical aspects like the procedure itself or the medication side effects that you don't put as much time into the mental health stuff at times because I even remember thinking like I'm probably just anxious because of the prednisone like I'll be fine like I and no like I could I, I ended up getting help but I think we we try to just assume that the physical stuff is more important and the mental health stuff can just weight or can be explained away where in reality you can get help for both and you need to be focused on both things for recovery. Yeah. And you brought up a great point, which is some of this is just side effects of the medications. Yep. Um, specifically the two that are most notable are of course, steroids, the prednisone. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that's been notable is uh, calcineurin inhibitors, which uh, for those who don't know out there, that's like tacrolimus mm -hmm. um, is the main one that you'll hear a lot of transplant patients on. Some of you may know it as Prograph. And both of those can definitely affect your mood. For me, prednisone made me feel like I could like conquer the world. Yeah. Um, I remember waking up at like four in the morning, just like ready to like literally run a marathon. Um, and it, I was like loving it because I was at home and had so much energy. Right. Um, yeah. So it never really affected me in too bad of a negative way, but it can, it can, you know, make people irritable, manic, um, it can worsen depression. So there's a lot that goes into this in terms of not only how you're feeling about the stresses of that, but just the medicine itself can affect your mood. Yeah. Prednisone is notorious for making you feel either really manic or very depressed and causing a lot of bad mood swings. And I remember my mom brought it up once because she was like, well, how are you snapping at me today? And I felt bad, but I was also like, you don't understand what I'm going through. But then I realized, you know, it's not helping that I'm on these massive doses of prednisone and I wasn't sleeping well at night. And I always felt super just like pumped up, but in, a, in almost a bad way. Like, um, so, so that and prograph itself can cause just like fogginess and confusion too, which could attribute or, you know, to the mental health stuff too. But it's just, 
there's all these side effects, but I do think, you know, with time they get better, but definitely I, I always tell people that they should get help for anything, even the side effects, anything mental health related. I think in terms of why we're harping on this and why it's so important is um, I recently read a study and I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, it was called Mental Health Disorders and Solid Organ Transplant Recipients. Um, and it was in the Transplantation Journal. And this is a little bit of an older manuscript that was posted, but it was in 2013. And it reports that both pre-transplantation psychosis and depression occurring more than two years after transplantation are associated with increased noncompliance and graft loss. So there is oh wow, legit medical and physical side effects that can come from how you are feeling psychologically. Um, and if we kind of just break that down to, you know, its simplest form, it's like, of course, if you're feeling really bad, you're probably more likely to not want to take your medications. And then that'll lead you to more likely to have rejection and graft loss. So um, this is really an important subject. And I hopefully, you know, the way Aline and I approach this podcast is if there's even like one person listening that is able to say, Hey, you know, I'm having these feelings or I'm not doing well with transplant goes out and reaches out to their transplant team and gets set up with the right professionals to help them. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that I can tell people is like, it's not always like, like rainbows and butterflies. It's not always po like, of course it's a very positive thing to get an organ transplant, but sometimes you feel really shitty too. And, and it's okay to, I think what really helped me with my, um, you know, getting back to it and getting back to my normal life was just coming to terms with the fact that things were never going to be the same as before my transplant. And also it's okay to have these negative anxiety, you know, anxious feelings sometimes because you do have to process them before you move on. If that, makes sense. And I tell people that too, because a lot of people will tell me like, oh, you or you and Kobe have such a good outlook. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's also, we, you know, it's okay to feel down at times too. Definitely. And for the most part, I have a mostly a positive look on exactly. transplant and what has happened. You know, we're recording this uh, May 15th right now. So we're actually two weeks away from my 10 year anniversary. Oh my God, that's um, crazy. I know, it's so <laughs> wild. Um, and so, you know, 10 years in, um, I, of course, still get annoyed with things. I dread doctor's appointments. I, I like to work as a doctor. I no longer like to see doctors. Um, I dread blood work. I still, though, get stressed if I miss my medications in the morning. So, you know, I got so excited that I only have to take medications once a day. Um, but if I miss those meds before I head out to work all day long at work, I'll be worried <laughs> like, man, yeah. I've really forgot it. Yeah. And so just the, the, the whole idea behind it is 100% mostly, I, I guess 99% of the time I'm super positive and have right. such a good outlook on what transplant has given my life. But even 10 years later, there's still stuff about it that bothers me and stresses me and, and causes me to be, I guess, sometimes unhappy with the situation. Right. Of course. So if you can get anything out of this podcast is that it's okay to have these feelings, but definitely talk to your doctor or your therapist about it. And, you know, a lot of us do go through the same thing after transplant. And message us. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're we, here. Yeah, we are definitely here to not be, you know, a psych professional to be there, to provide any therapy, but to be a forum in which you have 
two people who have been through this, who um, know it from both a patient side and a physician side, and would, you know, happy to to share what we've been through and and continue and will continue to go through. You know, this heart, I'm hoping, can go 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Who knows with science? Hopefully this heart lasts until I'm like 90. So right. <laughs> um, we'll be talking about this for a long time to come. I love <clears> that. I agree. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. We hopefully provided you with some good information as well as allowing you some insight into what we go through that although we like to project such a positive outlook on this podcast, it's as Aline said earlier, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. So if you like listening to us, please subscribe to the podcast. It's really important, I'm told, in terms of helping grow the podcast, as well as if you could rate and review the podcast, it would be very helpful. And also feel free to email us at both sides of the stethoscope at gmail.com. Keep in mind, not only can you subscribe to the podcast itself, but you can follow us on both sides of the stethoscope on both Twitter and on Instagram. So those are the best two ways to reach us. See you soon. See ya.